Boom! Welcome to another episode of On the Bench with Beaks. This is episode 13. I am your humble host, Cody Beekman. And uh, with me, as always, is I'm not your boss, Ross Bormeyer. Hey, how you guys doing? And lay off the sweets, Keith Zanders. What's going on, guys? Today we are joined by a very special guest. Our uh, incredibly special guest is Dan Williams, video engineer extraordinaire. Dan, say what's up, man. Hello, boys. Thanks for having me here. Cheers. Absolutely. Cheers. Crack them open. Drink down what you got, everybody. So how was your week, guys? Uh, let's start let's start over here with Keats. Keats, how was your week, buddy? It's been great, man. It's been great. Uh, I got off work this morning. I'm going to be enjoying a few days off. So, uh, yeah, we're off to a good start, man. What about you, Ross? Well, I've been, you know, kicking ass and taking names at work. Chewing some bubble gum, too? Well, once in a while, so. Well, everybody likes bubble gum. What oh, about yeah. you, Dan? How's how's it going in in uh, Williamsburg? Oh, it's good. I'm living the COVID life. It's uh, pretty exciting. <laughs> oh, for real? Uh, I mean, obviously, being a video engineer, this man he uh, he televises all your lovely sports uh, events, and obviously, after this COVID uh, fingle dangle dingle dangle, uh, you've been you've just been sitting on your ass, haven't you, bud? Yeah, I think we're at the three month mark of me not working, so it's pretty fun. Uh, I've become really good at yelling at my kids. <laughs> well, I could imagine. Uh, <laughs> it's been quite boring, and it's been great. Love it. Oh, absolutely! Just living that life, living that slug life. Any hobbies you've been doing on this uh, time off? Yes, sitting. City. It's been oh. great. Oh, have you perfected that? I mean, you're probably not up to snuff with me yet, but I mean, I'm pretty sure you're getting pretty close. It's a close second. All right, all right. Well, I mean, I, I see that fat ass jiggle around the neighborhood, by you the got way. To. For real, absolutely. Well, uh, you guys are in for a treat today. We've got a bunch of awesome stuff coming out of the NHL today. We, uh, Like I said, we've got a video engineer in to tell you everything about... Uh, what goes on behind the scenes uh, while you're watching your hockey game. So we're going to get started with the Hockey Day in History, boys. So who wants to go first? Anybody uh, Anybody have something uh, nice and uh, juicy to tell about? Well, I've got something that's uh, nice, easy, quick. Um, but in uh, June 11th, 1974, the Kansas City Scouts and the Washington Capitals officially receive a franchise. Beautiful. That's beautiful. And, I mean, as, as you know, uh, the Washington Capitals are still an incredible, thriving franchise today. I mean, obviously, Kansas City Scouts are, have gone way of the past. But, I mean, if you can get a hold of one of those jerseys, let me know because those things were fucking sly. Oh, they're pricey. All right. What do you got? What do you got, Keats? Super uh, easy for me, too, today, uh, June 12th, uh, 1985. Uh, Pittsburgh's Mario Lemieux won the Calder Trophy as the NHL's top rookie. What a surprise. Right? What a damn surprise. <laughs> yeah. No, he was, I mean, as we all know, well-respected in Pittsburgh. He was a hell um, of a player. I mean, not just in Pittsburgh, but among the league as well. I oh, mean, yeah. And that flow, guys. Oh, that flow back then, too, that salad. You gotta love a hockey frilla. Well, and as the the what is it the hockey on uh, the hockey minute guy said that they were like the most recent besides Drysital and McDavid to be the first you know one and two guys to be like with points, with yeah, points, yeah, and being top scorers with their teams. So, so that's an awesome throwback right oh, yeah. there. 
All right, Dan, what you got, man? Uh, I see, I see, I see those gears turning. I see some like laws, uh, logs being sawed. June twelfth, two thousand three. This day in hockey history, I think I did my first wall sit, where I was doing a camp down at Big Bear, which is in Denver, Colorado, and <laughs> we were doing a camp, and I did this. I was yelling at the kids because they had lunchtime and they kind of screwed around, and it was really dirty. So we were like, everybody's doing wall sits. And they were like, you have to do it with us. And I was thinking I was Mr. Tough Kid, Mr. Billy Badass. And I was like, I'm doing a wall sit. <laughs> and I sat there for probably a good seven minutes of doing the full 90-degree wall sit. My legs were shaking, and I couldn't stand back up because <sighs> I was in so much pain. And we had been skating you know, all week. It's a, week, a full week-long camp. Oh, yeah. It was at the end of the, the camp where the kids were just getting to that spot, and I was dying. This day in hockey history. Dan Williams' first wall sit. Where I couldn't get up, I guess I should say. It hurt so bad. Did uh, you you just have this this swarm of uh, kids just trying to pick you up or what? Uh, They were amazed that I lasted five minutes because I beat every single one of them. Except for there's like two kids that were in high school that were part of the camp and they beat me. And uh, I'll never forgive them to this day. But... They were all impressed that I did it, but then two, they also made fun of me because the next day they were like, "Hey, let's do wall sits." Oh yeah, let's go spaghetti like, legs. We're doing push-ups. <laughs> and this one's one for the books, I oh, think, for your, uh, hockey day in history. Oh, put, yeah, put your money where your mouth is, right there. Oh, it was miserable. <laughs> I'm surprised that they didn't bring your dinner out to you, just like sitting there. I can't get up. Just leave me. <laughs> I had to roll over and do a little. It's like I was frozen to a chair. It was awesome. <laughs> That's great. Hey, guys, I think one thing that's worth mentioning, you know, for all of us Colorado kids, and we spoke about it a little bit uh, before we started recording, but just, uh, what is it, June 9th, 2001, uh, Borky lifted his first cup. Absolutely, absolutely. And the day after, uh, the Avs won their first Stanley Cup, too, in in Florida. So that's a that's always good. I mean, obviously, as Colorado kids, we're just going to flaunt that until the day is over. And I love what Patty Wall said. No more rats. Yes, no <laughs> more rats. And my boy Uwe Krupp in uh, in overtime just squeaking it in, baby. I love it. So uh, my like I said, my hockey day in history is pretty pretty simple too, but uh, we've talked about him before on the podcast. Uh, June 10th, uh, this was actually yesterday, uh, 1973, Al Arbor was named new head coach of the New York Islanders, replacing Earl Ingerfield. And we, we all know how illustrious uh, Arbor's career was. I mean, we've talked about him many times, so I thought uh, I'd throw that in today. Nice. Awesome, man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, um... Let's continue on to the uh, this hot hot news coming out of the NHL. Phase two has officially begun on Monday. Yep. And if anybody uh, uh, anybody's lacking or uh, you know got their head in the sand, the NHL has a four part uh, phase plan to return to play for the rest of the playoffs. Phase two is basically. Um, all of the uh, hockey team's uh, facilities are open to voluntary workouts for um, six to, uh, yeah, basically six players and a very limited number of uh, the hockey team staff. And so already we've already seen people, uh, teams and players 
flocking into their uh, training facilities. We've we've had Chicago Blackhawks players, Boston Bruins players, Edmonton Oilers players, and I mean I can only imagine that it's going to keep going even more and even more and even more. Well, and even Cody, just to add on to that, that there's been some player, players that have been playing in like less, uh, what is it, um, what do we want to call it, uh, COVID-like ridden areas, because you got uh, Zadorov that's down there practicing with a bunch of the Russian team guys and everything in Florida, and just well, doing that before well, yeah, they're you, doing it. You so. you pick any spot in Russia that's actually populated by more than ten people. I would like to see it, other than Moscow. Right, <laughs> but that's still kind of cool to see that they're like going to these places that aren't as written, and they're still trying to, you know, practice before they actually get to the actual. Um, you know, practice facilities and stuff. They're utilizing their time wisely. Good, I guess. and it's good. I, I like to see it. Um, I mean, you had a you had Jake Gensel actually uh, talking to the to the media just the other day. It's like it's just good to be back around the rink. It's good to it's good to see some of the guys, and like you know, pass around the puck. What do you guys think, Keith? Dan? No, I think I I, I think it's great to see. I, I was I was gonna uh, say I. I, I the other day, whenever I was I was looking at uh, the Avalanche's uh, Facebook page, and they had a picture that they have the isolate and everything. So they're so they're obviously uh, for I take it they're u- utilizing that for practicing and such. Uh, I, I believe they probably don't go to the family sports arena for now, and they're just going to be utilizing the Pepsi Center. Not sure. Yeah, mine as well. Um, you must be excited, Dan, because that means you might get back to work. Uh, it would be very nice. Uh, I know we'll talk about it a little bit later where what I do, but I was just thinking, like, when you talk about getting the players together, you've seen them working out on Facebook and Twitter, little clips of them doing weird oddball things at their house yep. where they're, you know, even doing throwing a football, you know, mm-hmm. something different just to stay active. And once they get together at a facility, even if it's with two or three other guys that has the same talent level, the mentality is going to change. And they're going to start getting into it, getting, you know, that social interaction is going to be huge for them. Chemistry is going to start to build. They're going to have something unique because they've been separated for so long. Oh, yeah. And this will probably really make, see what the teams that have good chemistry and don't come when we actually start playing hockey again and the puck drops. That's an incredible point. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, and that's exactly, that's kind of what I was, uh, trying to get at with i mean just jake uh gensel saying that he's just he's so happy being around some of the other guys i mean even uh brad marchand and patrice bergeron they uh they tweeted a picture just like so happy to see some of the boys again and yeah and i I totally agree with you that's going to be a huge stepping stone for team chemistry when they do come back because i mean we got to look at it pretty much like this is that this was just a summer break at this point you know, and so, and uh, we all know, you know, training camps are for, you know, getting that chemistry back. So when you see these team, like see, the, see these uh, players and stuff coming back and playing with other people, that's going to be huge. Oh, yeah. When uh, the gun, uh, you know, initially gets shot off. Oh, yeah, because their preparedness is just going to be heightened at that point, honestly. Mm. And that's just going to be great because it'll add to the actual team practice and everything because they've got the all the jello out of their legs, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Like the old spaghetti legs over there, Williams over. Uh, yeah, how, uh, uh, you cared about how many uh, 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 stand, uh, uh, wall sits uh, they've been doing over over a break. I'm gonna say just you know, 
probably a thousand each, and they probably didn't last more than five minutes. I can tell. Yeah, you. <laughs> well, it's, we it's it's hard, man. I, I, we I think we've all done wall sits before. Oh yeah, that's gnarly. Well, so and, and like uh, just to add to more of this, like uh, uh, the NHL released a statement saying all teams must adhere to the Phase Two protocol that was released by the NHL and the NHL uh, PA. On May 25th, uh, the 21-page document is intended to provide players with a safe and controlled environment to resume their conditioning. So they must, they've got to, they, they, it's, I mean, I, I, from what I see, so that's pre- pretty strict. So, you know, you see like at least 10 to 15 players out there. I think someone's going to say something. Yeah, yeah I and mean, if, if I were to guess, they're probably following something similar, like kind of like what the restaurants and stuff are doing. You probably walk in, you get a have the mask on or something essentially and they probably take your temperature before you get into a facility and then kind of move forward from there yeah if i were to guess i would assume that they would put you know maybe the only people on the ice at a time maybe you put the defense out there or maybe you just only skate with your line and you have 20 minutes of doing that maybe some you know uh room kind of in the coach's room maybe do some dry land type stuff and you kind of just keep it in different groups. I can see that easily happen if they have to limit it because yeah. each state's going to be different with their requirements. And yeah. the NHL, even though they have that 21-page uh, booklet, you still have to do whatever the states do individually. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, maybe not getting that full chemistry together as a team because they might not be able to do a full practice, but if you get your line mates with you and you get to hang out for even – 10 minutes on the ice. You know, that's game changer. Oh, that can mean the world right there. Oh, man. yeah. You're so right. Absolutely. I mean, there's been so many times I, I, I uh, you know, you get back with your line after not seeing them for, for a, a long time or like your D partner. And it's almost like uh, once you, once you finally see them, it's just like nothing ever happened. So oh, I yeah. think, yeah, that's going to be pretty good. So um, the last part of this is uh, the deputy commissioner, Bill Daly, said he expected all 24 teams in the return to play plan to open prior to the transition of phase three. Right. And uh, this uh, that will be the start of training camps. You'll you'll be seeing people, uh, players from Europe come back and uh, they they're looking at a July 10th for the start of uh, phase three. Yeah, and that will be full team practices if I'm recollecting that correctly. Yeah, right? uh, as as uh, as per uh, maximum testing for everybody, of course. Yep. And um, and after that, yeah, they're gonna move into uh, what might be said like a two week training camp. Yeah. And then possible exhibition games after that, but uh, right now, it's just good to hear that the uh, the NHL is moving into phase two of this return to play plan. Oh, that's great, man! And then um, I was gonna ask, I because I can't remember. I know we talked about it. Uh, all the European players, do they get to do the whole two week gig when they get back to the United yes. States, yes, or is it do. dependent on where they where they're coming from? You have it, it's just you you have to be quarantined for gotcha. fourteen days, so. So yeah, and I, I would imagine now that uh, you know a lot of uh, a lot of voluntary workouts are happening, they're going to be looking into coming back as soon as possible to get that two week quarantine out of the way as soon as possible, so they can you know uh, at least jump on the ice within range of their other players and know that they're actually good and free and clear of the COVID. Or well, and now. yeah, and the, I mean that's the biggest thing too is I mean making sure everybody's safe. So, um, hopefully, 
as long as everything moves well, we'll be seeing phase three here within maybe a month. That'd be cool. That'd yeah. Be great. So uh, moving on, uh, there's been some other uh, some other rumblings in the hockey sphere. This is this uh, this is kind of uh, pretty cool because um, uh, I think a lot of people have read the article uh, that Akeem Alou wrote for the Players Tribune. You know, really kind of outing a lot of like racist and kind of like hazing activities that were really gnarly. Like about a I, I would almost say even a month ago, and um, at the end of it, he really called uh, like he he ended it with a call to action to, you know, really take a step and, uh, eradicate a lot of this, you know, uh, racism and, and like, and just, uh, taunting and just, uh, you know, uh, cruel hazing activities. Uh, he and a few other players have actually formed the hockey diversity Alliance. And if you guys don't mind, I'm just going to read the, the presser real quick. All right. All right, so uh, for immediate release, we love our sport. We believe that hockey is the greatest sport in the world. As minorities who play professional hockey, we have come together to create Hockey Diversity Alliance, HDA. We have appointed Akeem Alou and Evander Kane as our co-heads, and our executive committee includes Trevor Daly, Matt Dumba, Wayne Simmons, Chris Stewart, and Joel Ward. Our mission is to eradicate racism and intolerance in hockey. We will strive to be a force for positive change, not only within our game of hockey, but also within society. Although we will be independent of the NHL, we are hopeful that we will work productively with the league to accomplish these important changes. We believe that the importance of accountability in developing inclusively and diversity for all involved in our sport including fans and the league office. We will promote diversity at all levels of the game through community outreach and engagement with youth, and we'll endeavor to make the game more affordable and accessible. We will also focus on educating the hockey community about racism issues confronting the sport while advocating for acceptance and equality. We've partnered with a charitable fiscal sponsor and we will be launching a charitable division in the coming weeks to assist us in achieving our objectives. In creating our alliance, we are confident we can inspire a new generation of hockey players and fans. We are hopeful that anyone who puts on skates and sits in the stands will do so without worrying about race, gender, socioeconomic background, and will be able to express their culture, identity, values, and personality without fear of retribution. We are united in our efforts and promise to work tirelessly to bring about the change our sport and society needs. Signed by Akeem Alou, Evander Kane, Trevor Daly, Matt Dumba, Wayne Simmons, Chris Stewart, and Joel Ward. Awesome. Yeah. Um, um, and that, um, so what, I, what I want to get at is that this is, de- uh, I mean, uh, people have been saying it for years that, I mean, uh, there's, uh, there's a problem with diversity in hockey. I mean, that's uh, the age old joke, like, uh, oh, oh, a bunch of white people get together to, spe- uh, to swack around a oh, black yeah. puck, you know? And, um, I think this is a huge step in actually doing something to eradicate some of this, uh, some of this judgment and tolerance in the sport and um i mean it, uh not everybody read would read the akimalu 
uh, article in the Players Tribune. But I mean, you know, me, I'm a I'm a hockey head. If anything comes out about hockey, I'm going right. to be reading it. So, uh, and uh, there were some scary things that I saw in that in that article, which, you know, uh, it it really it really made me kind of just sad. Yeah, you know, spoke volumes to you, basically. So yeah, and I mean, I mean, obviously the NHL has the Hockey Diversity Day every year. Oh yeah, but I mean, there's a lot more you could be doing, and I feel like this, the hockey, hockey, the Hockey Diversity (laughs) Alliance is a huge step in the right direction. Um, What are you guys' thoughts? I mean, am I am I like sitting over here alone, or I I don't know? What are you guys' thoughts about it? No, I, I agree with you, man. Uh, I read the article as well, and uh, we kind of spoke about it just a little bit yesterday, and yeah. it was it was deep, man, and it was very hard to read. Uh, some of the things that are in there, like you said, like uh, like some of the, like, almost like the initiations or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. The things that they did, it was, like, terrible. Um, and, like, for us, you know, like, Cody, you, we played on the same team. Like, yeah, guys, guys do some stupid things in the locker room, and there's a lot of you know, crap talking and making fun of each other, but it's to a certain level, you know, and we, we laughed about, you know, there's always old trick, you know, you would put clear tape on someone's blades and then watch him skate out and fall over and ha ha, like things like that. But, but, uh, but some of the things that, uh, came wrote, you know, the hot water, uh, being thrown on and all that stuff was like, holy crap. Yeah, I, was like, I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was like almost like a terrible like college hazing or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's it's, and that's exactly what I thought about. Honestly, you know? like it, with this league, if you want to do that, go get a job at McDonald's. Yeah, yeah. You're there, welcome. There's the door. I'm serious. There's the door. We have no room for this crap. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, Dan? I mean, just uh, just hearing it from, you know, just surf, surface glance or what? What do you? How do you feel? I think it's encouraging. It's what needs to happen in a sport that's predominantly white. Uh, I had the privilege in the at the All-Star game when it was here. Oh, no, it wasn't the All-Star game. It was when uh, the Avs had the outdoor game at Coors Field. Oh, right. And okay. I met uh, Hall of Famer Willie O'Ree. Oh. And that was, uh, that was a highlight. I mean, the guy oh. was unbelievably nice. He posed for a picture. I mean, he was happy to do it. Oh, yeah. He was man 80 something at the time maybe 80 uh just the nicest guy and to think what he went through as a boston bruin being the first black hockey player oh, to yeah. jump in the league in like 57 i believe it is to any play till 1979 which is a great year by oh, the yeah. way uh, oh, oh gee i wonder why <laughs> you were born uh, yahtzee <laughs> <laughs> but if you think about it you know the, when he ended playing it was 41 years ago so not when he started, which he played had a long career. Oh yeah. But now it's forty one years later, and now we're getting to something where people there's enough African American players coming together and saying, "Hey, we need to do something about this." There's only so many programs you can do, which they all do in their communities, and things are great. Uh, there was one here in Denver, uh, Shaka Ice, I believe, is what it was called. I, I'm not sure if it was still around, but it was a great or program organization yeah that's still going on actually which is great and we need to fund that type of stuff because we had a uh they used to come to big bear and it was awesome yeah but now you have a group of superstars who are saying hey let's bring this to a broader let's take it out of our neighborhoods and out of our cities where we grew up and let's get it on the mainstream and now let's get into a spot where hopefully everything changes and it gets a little bit more uh 
inclusion added yeah. yeah absolutely and i mean we're not talking you know just go super pc everybody's wearing like water wings and stuff but i mean there's there are some real problems within uh, professional sports that uh, that do need to be addressed oh yeah and at least they're starting to get a foothold in it uh, well, you know. and, and and it's not just for you know uh, players uh you know like minority players I mean, we're talking about you know, like homo- like homosexual players and all that, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm like just, you can be the po- you can be poor. You get they will it, fund exactly skates, yeah everything. It don't matter yeah what you are, where you come from. They're gonna do it, and it it really promotes the idea that hockey li- really truly is for everyone, which exactly. I think we've been needing. Keith, you look like you uh, want to no, say something. No, because it's like uh, it kind of reminds me of like there are like you know. Everyone knows I was born in Latvia. Yeah, it's been talked about before. I guarantee you there were hundreds of hundreds of kids that would have loved the chance to play hockey, and they just simply couldn't because their parents couldn't afford it. Yeah. Uh, they couldn't afford to buy the gear and stuff. You know what I mean? And imagine even somewhere here, I, I guarantee you there's thousands of thousands of kids that would love the chance to try the sport, and there's probably so much talent out there. And... Uh, you know, it's just simply uh, people just don't do it because, like, Monetary. I'm sorry, yeah, I'm sorry, son, or you know, I, we we can't do it because the gear is just so outrageous, expensive. You know, not only that, but ice time and you know, oh yeah, I'll, to get in the leagues and stuff. I mean, even you know, even in-house leagues, you still got you got money for uh, ice time, you got money for all the all the gear that you're gonna need, uh, jerseys, uh, everything, man. I mean. It's it's gotten to the point where it, uh, it has been uh, it's an astronomical amount to ask to play, even uh, just in house hockey. And I that's that's another thing I love about this uh, uh, this alliance is that they're they're going to be work not only working for uh, you know uh, tolerance and and uh, it, within the sport, but they're going to expand the sport so much more. And um, I don't know if you guys saw that Max Kellerman bullshit. That uh, saying that the uh, that the U.S. doesn't care about hockey on ESPN, but um, this is a this is a perfect chance to expand the game within the U.S. Oh yeah, I mean all all, all over the place too. I mean we've we've talked to, like I think it was our first episode ever, Keith, that we talked about uh, uh, a Jamaican national team. Oh, that's right. You know? Yep. Yep. And I mean this is this is the perfect way to expand the sport. Uh, uh, beyond anybody's wildest dreams and i i think i think this is a great thing and i'm i'm gonna be following really close and i i and i i really gotta say big ups to every single one of these men that uh, are brave enough to stand up and say we're not gonna take this shit anymore we're gonna help uh change the uh, game for better oh yeah no and i'm kind of like hoping that they're going to like do more of the out of the U.S. and Canada games, like they've done in China and Fin, well, do especially like in the China, the no. Finnish, and that's fine. You know, they've oh, already yeah. got their own hockey clubs, but start drawing in like countries that don't have it and everything like. Oh, that. I mean, yeah, I mean, It'd be uh, awesome. <laughs> well, what's been cool is that lately we've been getting a lot of likes on the Facebook from like Romania, Croatia, you know, uh, a, a lot of a lot of countries that you wouldn't first think about hockey. Oh no, and that's still gonna that's gonna reach out to them too. I mean, uh, for how far this could possibly go, you never know. Oh, no. And it's, I think it's going to be a great opportunity, and I really hope the NHL uh, sticks real close to these guys, you know? 
So we'll see. And uh, uh, apparently there's going to be more, uh, you know, more information to come. And as soon as we do, we'll, we'll definitely keep you, keep you updated and all that. And for right now, let's, uh, let's get into, uh, Dan, Dan, the wonder man, cameraman. Woo. Yeah. Is, is this horn worthy or what? Oh, I yeah. think it's horn worthy. It? Yeah. Like we, yeah, I hit it. Oh, Dan what? Williams. He's boom, here. Your ratings just went down. Uh, sh- <laughs> That's all right. We don't have uh, very good ratings anyways. <laughs> so uh, Dan uh, Dan Williams, he is an Emmy-winning uh, video engineer. Oh, and it wasn't uh, even for hockey, as I'm reading it right now. It wasn't, but, I mean, it's still an Emmy. Yeah. And we have it right here, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. We're, we've been, we've been uh, talking this entire time. Look at this golden statue of just uh, pure beauty, I suppose. It's heavy as hell. Oh my God! I would never have expected that. It weighs that a ton, like, oh, like for what it is. Yeah. you know, <laughs> it's pretty impressive. It's you, uh, what eighteen inches tall or something, so it's a good size. Uh, seven and a half inches base, you know. Oh uh, no, big if deal. you know the specs, you know, I mean, yeah. who does that? <laughs> yeah. Did you uh, did you drop a tear when you get the, when you got that thing? Did you uh, like thank you know, your mom and dad and, and uh, your wife? You know, it was just, <laughs> I knew it was just about a matter of time. Uh, no, they're extremely hard to get. Uh, uh, it, it was it was pretty cool. And uh, last year I was up for I had two chances to win and nothing. This year I have another two chances, so we'll see what happens. We should have already known, but COVID has changed all that. So we'll see. Uh, it's it's a fun accomplishment, something to say, all right, my job, you know, like kind of recognizing how much uh, – work goes into what we do doing the tv and everything else and so it's kind of nice yeah so i mean uh i know we've got a bunch of questions so we're gonna fire some at you uh ross what do you got there bud i want to know how you kind of got into hockey and just like your background with like getting into also the the sports uh just the video side of it and just the actual audio side as well uh it it kind of all started back in, uh, you know, I already dated myself on my age, but we saw uh, <laughs> when I was in high school, like rollerblading was the thing to do and right. jumping off ramps and everything else. And so uh, doing that in junior high and everything else, I really had a good sense of balance, I guess. And uh, when I was up in college, we had, uh, you know, up in Greeley, Colorado, uh, we had Cowtown. this JBS sports and all they had was a inline rink. You know, and that was when inline was first starting to take off. And so I was playing that for a while and then kind of just moved in. And uh, once I got done, you know, going to college, actually, I was still living up there and started playing down at Big Bear and was just having a blast in the beer leagues and playing with tons of people throughout my career of just playing uh, different. Like when you start playing the beer leagues, you start playing against former pros, oh, yeah. former top college uh, athletes. And then you have some of these guys that never made it because they didn't push themselves, but some of them are better than a lot of those guys playing in the beer league. Oh, yeah, because they and have that it, drive, basically. Yeah. And it got me to a point where I could understand the game, and it transitioned when I started being a, a cameraman doing for the Avs and the Nuggets and all that type of other sports. But it really helped me in hockey because instead of looking at the puck, what everybody does, I was actually looking at people's hips. And I was saying, all right, this guy is going to go because when you zoom in tight, all you see is stick a puck and yeah. a guy, maybe a defenseman, and then it kind of 
which way are they going to go? So you start looking at the hips, which you start learning. Kind of uh, learn how to uh, predict the play. Yeah, you totally way. know where it's going to go. Yeah. And that helped me out tremendously when I first started getting in TV and when I was still playing and everything else. Luckily, I have uh, three wonderful children that uh, cost me a lot of money, and I don't have time really to play anymore, which is kind of sad. Well, I mean, uh, you know, at least you still got the uh, st- the uh, past glory. Yeah. Back in my day. Back in my day. If I had an Al Bundy for hockey, we need to get one of those guys up. Oh, yeah. We might have to make a meme for you. you oh, that's perfect, right? <laughs> I, think, but, uh, I think we need to get back... Get you back on the ice again. Oh, it'd be awesome. I used to do, we used to have like a media skate where all the uh-huh. TV guys would get together and it was a lot of fun. I was actually just cleaning out my hockey gear the other day because I had a water pipe break, which is awesome. Thank uh-huh. you, COVID. Oh, yeah, uh, But baby. luckily I was home and I was going through and I was just, I was doing a lot of reminiscing because I was cleaning out my hockey bag and I found all my old crests that I used to have when I was a oh, USA hockey geez. ref. When I was uh, up at Sun Micro, well, it was called Sun Microsystems. Yeah. We had a little badge that said, you know, you put your little chest there when you're a referee and a referee down at Big Bear. So I used to work at Big Bear for many years, which is a lot of fun. Well, and I was about to ask about that, like what got you involved with Big Bear? Because you mentioned that like yeah. when we first got started and everything. So what got you involved down there and what exactly were you doing? When so? I was up in Greeley at JBS doing the inline stuff, uh, right. the guy who was running the place was called Derek Thede. Well, he still is called it, I guess. That's Shout out to Derek. given name, Derek Thede. Uh, which he's a phenomenal hockey player. He actually flipped me upside down one time. We were playing a game where he actually had a keg at center ice, and every time he passed, uh, you you passed it, you had to take a pull. And he lined oh, me geez. up, and he's shorter than me and a lot skinnier than me, and he lit me up. I did a full 360, and everybody was laughing. I just sat there like, wow, that little guy – just clobbered me and i wish that we would have had cell phone at video at the time because yeah people, had, it would have made sports center yeah like, those old uh, uh twisty uh twisty videos yep and he looked at me and he goes take a pull uh, and i'm sitting there uh, with, with a nice little yard sale oh uh, dominance but he knew doc bob and if you guys know been in adult hockey league for you know since the early 2000s maybe in, in uh the late 90s dr bob Dore was and still is a good organization. They have a lot of uh, players, a lot of past players. Uh, that's the the sweater I'm sporting today. A little throughout to Dr. Bob, but he oh yeah, looking good. Derek and Bob were really good friends, and right. so they were like, "Hey, why don't you come down here and start playing?" I did that, and then when I moved down uh, to back to Denver, uh, Bob was like, "Hey, you want to drive a Zamboni?" And I was like, "Sure." And my buddy Sean Sandifer was like, I'm going to teach you everything you need to know. He's <laughs> pulling up on his uh, his bootstraps. Oh, it was I'll awesome. We know. had a lot of fun. We used to race because, I mean, it takes 10 minutes to do a cut if you're doing it right. Oh, yeah. You got 15 minutes, so you got five minutes to dry or so, you know, and we would try to do it in like f- four minutes. I mean, we were just racing. I've smashed that Zam into those boards so hard. Uh, you had people in the viewing area that had glass behind it. They could hear the thump. Just looking down at me, and I'm like, do 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 do. No big deal. No big just, deal. just cleaning the ice. Don't worry about it. Just drive a hundred thousand dollar little uh, Volkswagen because that's what the engines are in a Zamboni. <laughs> smashing it on some boards. It's like Paul Walker versus Vin yeah. Diesel. You guys are like starting off on one line. You're yep. like, all right, let's go. We would, we would open up the Zam doors, get to each side because they had a red rink and a green rink, and then we'd take off. And then the first one back to dump their bin would win. 
Eh, sometimes it'd be a better cut than others, but you know, it was all in fun. Hey, man, uh, as long as you got that win, that's all that matters. Yeah, and uh, Big Bear was a lot of fun back in the day. So many memories. You guys always talk about, you know, the, the things that you did with your teammates or your coworkers, and yep. uh, it was it was a great time. I miss it. You know, it was fun, but then I had to get a real job <laughs> and uh, kind of move on. And so, what what made you actually decide to go into, uh, you know, video engineer, like camera work and stuff like that? Uh, when I was in college, I had a professor. I was a, uh, really good at giving speeches uh, because I couldn't do anything else. Uh, so I you could, could talk, talk out your ass. So uh, I had a speech teacher that was like, you need to get into broadcasting. And he uh, kind of like blew it over a year past. And he was like, hey, we really need to get into broadcasting. So he marched me down to the broadcasting office. And he's like, this guy needs to be in your department. You guys need this guy. And it kind of – everything just kind of fell in place. I did the uh, – the student newscast where I was like a reporter and a sports anchor and, you know, had a lot of fun doing that. And then I helped out doing some uh, stuff for altitude and they were like, Hey, you want to run camera next weekend? Uh, Cause somebody had bailed and they needed somebody. And I was like, sure. And I kind of did it for free. And then I kind of found out that, that they get paid a pretty decent wage at the time because yeah. you know, how it was sharpening skates and Zamboni and ice every hour and 15 minutes driving so, up from Denver. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, Hey, let's, I'll give it a try. And I was scared to death. I showed up in like a button up shirt and some slacks and people were laughing at me. They built my camera wrong. Cause I didn't know how to build one of those things. And, uh, it kind of, it just kind of blossomed. And then after I did camera for three or four years, uh, I started moving into video and the video is, uh, we paint the pictures, we make the brightness, the colors, we make them so they all match. So when you put all the cameras together, when they cut from the big wide game camera to the tight camera, like on ice, you want the white to be white. Yeah. On the oh, Avs yeah. jersey, do you want it to be red or do you want it to be maroon? You make it more vibrant. You basically. have to make it yeah. the same so yeah. that when it chops, and depending on the lighting, the situation, everything changes. So that's what I pretty much do is I sit in in the TV truck and paint the cameras pretty much. That's pretty cool, man. And I was uh, actually when I was when I was still going to high school and stuff, I had a huge interest in that as well. And uh, I did like the school news and all that oh, nice. for like three years and. Uh, I was very interested and almost went to Art Institute of Colorado. That's where I wanted to go for video production. Oh, yeah. But uh, things changed and whatnot, and I'm in a whole different career right now. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I wanted to kind of dig into it a little deeper and see, because, I mean, we talked about it a little bit uh, before we started recording. Obviously, when it comes to the sports, you have, you know, your players and, you know, person that sets the ice and the lights and stuff. But then we got you guys, the cameraman and the video engineers and stuff. And uh, that's, a, that's again, a whole different uh, aspect of the, of the sports side, you would say. So um, I guess how, how does it all exactly work from, uh, from your eyes? Um, how, how, how do you guys set that and, and how, how does it really work, I guess? Well, people don't understand that they think that everything is just kind of set up and you just kind of show up and do just press just record and yeah. <laughs> and it, it doesn't work that way because each if you think about the camera each camera costs anywhere from two hundred thousand dollars to four hundred thousand dollars depending on if it's what type of camera it is if it's a super slow-mo and that's just the camera so if you think you have 10 cameras at an avs game you can do the math that's a lot of money and mm. then you have the television truck that has to hold all the equipment you have the replay machine you have the switcher that cuts up the the images so you can 
select different cameras and different replay, different sources. You got graphics, all that other things. Those all cost a Google amount of money. You know, my piggy bank isn't going to cover it at all. Oh, no way. <laughs> and it, so you can't have one just at the Pepsi Center sitting in Denver. You know, you can't just have it just being there because it costs so much money. So the trucks actually move from location to location, sport to sport, and they all do everything. So we have to get there a minimum of six hours before puck drop to start setting up. And we take all the cameras out. We take all the monitors out for the announcers, the headsets, the crowd mics that go on the ice, the mics for in the hallways for the interviews, which all that's now going to change with COVID. And it completely kind of comes 180 where you have everything kind of sitting in a sense where you had beforehand probably about 60 people to take to make a production when you do an abs game between, you know, utilities that help out and we'll get everything and run and help whatever we need something to be put together all the way up to the directors, producers. And then you got the studio crew. There's a lot of people that are involved just at the Pepsi center for a single game. A game. So per normal, about how many cameras do you guys set up for say like an abs game? Uh, there's usually about 10 manned cameras. Okay. So they have people behind them swinging it left and right, depending on if it's a big hard camera. And then you have, uh, two to three handhelds. It all just depends on if you have somebody between the benches, you got somebody on each goal line, left and right. Uh, we have two robotic cameras that uh, for the for the AVs. Uh, the on, ones that kind of like move right on, the, on the glass. Yeah, yep. right, yeah, one's like right the, behind the net. The other one's a speed shot at the penalty box. Yeah, the Arby's Robo Cam. They always yeah. say, yeah. And that comes down to cost. You know, like everything has to be sponsored because it's so expensive to make a game. And that's why you always see all these graphics with everything being put in because besides having to rent the truck, you got the employees, you got airtime. There's a lot of things that go into it. Uh, I also am lucky enough to do a lot with the Golden Knights, and they have three robos. So you have every, you know, both end zones plus the speed shot in the middle, and it kind of depends. So you have all these manned cameras, but then you also have the point-of-view cameras. So you have the little kicker cams that are, like, in the dasher, like oh. shooting up. Yeah. You might have one from the center ice robo from the center hugging scoreboard. And usually that's a robotic and you kind of see it like twisting for the face off. Yeah. So there's a lot of extra elements besides man cameras. So sources wise of like cameras that you see per game, it's usually about 25 different things. Well, impressive. That's my <laughs> that, that, that literally blew me away. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you see, uh, you talked about uh, doing a lot with the Golden Knights, and I mean, obviously, we all know their new up and coming franchise. What was it like? I mean, just being there, and uh, you know, uh, were you uh, like you were were you in the were, uh, Manning the God damn it! I would love to learn how to speak speech therapy. <laughs> Anybody just hit me up, Cody Beekman on Facebook. Anyways, uh, so uh, were you uh, uh, Manning the camera a lot, or were you more like in the truck for uh, uh, the Golden Knights? And how like how is it there? You know, at the T-Mobile Arena? Because I mean, a lot. Uh, I mean, a lot of the NHL media they want to make it seem like every night is just pandemonium you know just yeah. trying to sell the right. sell the franchise like what uh what what did you like kind of uh experience while being out there because you do like basically every one of their home games i do quite a few uh so i do all the home for at&t sportsnet their video so i'm the in the truck painting all the cameras i've never done uh camera there so I started to do camera when I first started and then transitioned into video. So now I'm probably doing 90% video 
and then maybe 10% doing camera. Most of the summer doing like some Rockies and stuff like that just to fill in. And I enjoy it, you know, but my, my, the majority of the time I play, I work, I'm doing video. But I was there for game one, uh, the two preseason games, even before the official night. And I was there that night as well. So I've been there since the very beginning. And the crowds haven't changed. It's what you see in the media is true. They, it's sold out. It's loud. It's raucous. Uh, I've had been lucky that I've been there when NBC is taken. So I've, uh, especially the playoffs, I got to do a pregame show and then was able to go in and see the puck drop. So oh, I, the cool. very, very first ever playoff game, I was in there for the first puck drop and it was, it's loud. It's raucous. It's really? not only do you have a lot of out of towners, obviously, cause it's Vegas that are coming to support their team. But then you also have the normal fan that isn't associated with that team, but they're just coming because they're in Vegas. And then you have the fan base in Vegas and Henderson and Nevada that's and they have true. really gotten behind their team. They have uh, – so it, T-Mobile Arena is right on the strip, right by New York, New York. And Summerlin is out to the west, maybe half hour, 45 minutes. That's their training facility. Uh-huh. And every day they have practice out there. And they have 5,000 people of the Vegas strong that live there. They come to practice. Wow. You don't see that anywhere yeah. else. No, no. I mean, well, I mean, yeah. I, uh, I think maybe the the Avs had that when they first might have mm-hmm. come here. But I mean, five thousand fans just showing up for a practice—that's insane. And then they all kind of caravan down a couple hours later, go to the game, and you see a lot of the same people in the stands at the same spots because they all have season tickets, and they renew them. You know, they're it's expensive out there to go to a game, standing room only. It's expensive. It's hard to get a ticket. And it's justified. I mean, it's a fun experience. They put on a good show, not only on the ice, but off. And if you go outside, even if you don't go to a game, they have uh, uh, Tobisha Square, right? uh, You'd know better than I would, bud. (laughs) I should know it even better because it's a television brand. Uh, Oh, Tobishi or something? Yeah, that's what it is. They have the square right outside that has a big jumbotron. They play the games outside. Oh, yeah. So you see the people that don't have a ticket will stay outside, and they hit the horn outside and put goal on this huge jumbotron that's outside the arena. So it's still a party, and you see that place packed, and you got people outside. So you have not only a sellout inside, but you got a huge crowd outside. That are still going Yeah. So if you are in Vegas and a game's going on, you don't have a ticket, go out there. Check out the vibe. It's just it's electric. That's, That's pretty nuts. cool. I wish we had something like that. I almost feel like I think a lot of people, I, mean, I know there's still the social distancing aspect and stuff, but I feel like that's something some other teams might be looking into, uh, especially with hockey season starting up and people wanting to watch the games and stuff, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, they're, they're, they're a bit ahead of the curve. I mean, obviously you see all these teams doing it during the playoffs and they're just doing it during the regular season. Yeah. And that's pretty crazy. And so, I mean, I think that kind of puts to bed all this, like, oh, the Golden fight, uh, Golden Knights have shitty fans. They're just bandwagon jumpers. I mean, I'm glad to see it because yeah. it's, I mean, it helps the game of hockey. It helps, I mean, it helps the Golden Knights grow into not so much as, uh, like, a you know, a joke, but, like, you know, an actual franchise. I oh, think yeah. it's a good stepping stone and platform for Seattle when they come into the league which uh, I'm pretty hoping that it'll be the Seattle mur- Murder Hornets. That would be pretty sweet. Oh, I've seen a logo for that. Uh, my buddy Jimmy Armantrout up uh, 
out north in Seattle had showed me a picture of that, and I, I think it's they need to run with it. It'd be perfect. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> the social distancers. Yeah, but if they if they can get the same thing in Seattle that Vegas does, and if they can learn from it, and Vegas gives them, you know, a couple pointers, run with it. You know, you oh yeah, Cirque du Soleil that does some of the intermissions and does some. Usually, it's when the Canadians come. They'll, because uh, it's always broadcast, you know, all over Canada. Oh, yeah. And so it's pretty sweet to see that type of stuff. When you get something local in there to kind of showcase the city, and if Seattle can do that, and even if Denver did it a little bit more, mm-hmm. uh, I agree. Be something kind of unique, something fun than just going out and getting a hot dog and a beer at intermission. Yeah. Yeah, for real. I mean, and like, I mean, you always have those mini mites playing. I'm like, yeah, I've seen. A bunch of eight-year-olds play hockey before. I think we all have. I was you know? there. Uh, <laughs> cute for like two minutes, and then it's uh, like, yeah, all right. Like, all right. <laughs> Time to move on. Unfortunately, I never got to be one of those mini mites. But, uh, you know, well, good we for were, them, I guess. We were all eight and playing, though, at one time. That's. I always wanted to. I was like, I could be out there. I could make it to the show. All of us. You always get that one kid just circling everybody, and you're like, yeah, he's a good skater, but he's gonna get train wrecked once he gets to squirts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, hey, buddy, just wait till you like start hitting. Keep your head up, kid. Yeah. Cloud. <laughs> so I mean, um, uh, yeah, like uh, it, obviously, just uh, the way the way you've perceived this, yeah, it's a it's a it's a tough kind of job. What what what's more like the uh, the benefactors or like what's the what's what's the stuff that you like doing within it? Well, the best thing is I get paid to watch professional sports yeah you know and besides that and once that kind of died down uh you know the tv trucks are always parked next to the dumpsters which we always make a joke about but then at the same time it's always a ramp for the player entrance and you always see the players come by you can kind of tell who's down to earth who's not and from all the different sports that i do you always see that the hockey guys are by far the nicest they always will talk to you they'll they'll say hello they won't you know kind of Strong, strong arm you and kind of blow you off but yeah. if you say something to to them they'll respond like a decent human being yeah and that's one of the cool things that i like about hockey when i was playing that i could say hey that guy just said hi to me you yeah. know when other times you'll walk by and people will be like you'll just be like hey how's it going and they'll be like hey, you can't talk to that guy why i'm not talking to him, i'm just saying hi you know uh, being friendly and yeah then in hockey they'll talk back you know like Joey Sackick, he used to always say hi. You know, he was nice. Forsberg, back in the day, they were always nice. And you always hear stories from the old-timers about the old players. They'd be like, oh, yeah, we used to hang out, and we used to do this before it got too much to be, you know, social media where everybody kind of clamps down and shuts down. Oh, yeah. Players nowadays, you have their media all the time. Yeah. So back when I first started, they would just walk by us, and no big deal. Now, because of Facebook Live and everything else, you have player reps with each team, that are filming them come from their car, getting them out, walking into the stadium, walking to the dressing room. Here he is in his suit. Well, that was a that was an interesting uh, wardrobe choice there, Dan. Yeah, they have that all the time. Yeah. you know, and it's you see it all the time. So it gets less and less where you can kind of talk to him because now you're now being filmed as well. Yeah, and uh, it it just it's a different vibe. But at the same time, the hockey players will still say something, or maybe they'll talk back at you and be you know, kind of throw a jab or two as you're walking by. It's just a different vibe. Yeah. Oh, that's cool, man. 
And I think we can all agree. I mean, we've uh, had our fair share of meeting hockey players, and I'll say it to Ellen Blue in the face. They're probably some of the nicest, uh, you know, in the spotlight kind of people. Yep, that is true. Like, Glenn Healy, met him up at the Hockey Hall of Fame. Like, one of the nicest guys that I talked to up there. Like, we were in a group, and he just was like, well, you don't talk wine, do you? I was like, no. And he goes, let's have a beer together. Nice. And, and he, he's just an outstanding guy, just down to earth, as mm-hmm. you said. And just one of those old guys. You just figure, like, Lindros and a bunch of these other players. Oh, Lindros is a dick. Well, and, and Eliash didn't even speak a word. I could see well, I can see him just being really quiet, but oh, I know for was. a fact that Lindros is just a total dick. Oh yeah. No. Yeah, you'd have to ask Todd's wife Tiffany about that one. So Oh uh, yeah, well I mean if if you got a nice set of hooters Oh my god then Jesus. I think he's That's just from the story that I've heard, you know. Basically <laughs> that's you just like, Oh, there's a lady here. Well, no, take a picture with this guy. Sorry, oh, Todd's okay. wife. I hope you didn't. T- I hope you're not getting mad about that one. <laughs> she might actually laugh because that was kind of funny. We but I mean, hey, good on you. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, hey, Dan, one thing I want to ask you too is uh, with everything going on with the COVID stuff, and you know, we talked earlier. You know, NHL is getting into the phases, and I'm sure other sports are doing the same thing. Um, have you guys? heard on anything on on the broadcast side how how it's all going to work out or any news that maybe we might not hear so i haven't heard officially what hockey's going to do but i have heard from what some of the other sports are going to do and they're pretty much going to restrict a lot you know you see nowadays uh the memes and everything where they have like the new uh the new way to do a man on the street interview and, and if you see it from canada you see a butt end of a hockey stick with a microphone tape. Uh, and yeah. you've kind of seen yeah. those out there, right? Because people are putting their arms out, and then you got this smart guy that taped a microphone to a hockey stick. And so now you're going to have that. So no longer will you get the laces and faces where you go in uh, to locker rooms before the game, and you see them kind of tying up their skates, putting on their, you know, tucking their jersey into their elbow pads. Yeah. That type of stuff is gone. So that's going to probably not come back, I would assume, going forward. The interviews post-game – uh, how you kind of have like the coach's scrum or a player scrum right. where it's just kind of right outside the locker room. It's kind of raw, dirty. That stuff's all going away. So the kind of the interaction between the players is going to change. They're going to try their best to get as much coverage. Hockey's awesome because you have glass and dasher separating the TV crew, the fans, everything else oh, yeah. from the actual players. So you can put as many cameras as you want normally where they're at. Between the benches, that's gone. So you won't have a camera guy. You pro- I'm pretty sure you're not going to have announcers down there anymore. Yeah, I could imagine that one's going to be going out pretty quick. I'm, I'm not going to lie. That always bothered me a little bit. Especially when it's Pierre Maguire. The guys that, are uh, that puck flying by. Oh head. man, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, uh, go go. No, ahead, what I was gonna say is always like I was like, man, I always thought to myself is like the players have to be annoyed. They're in the zone. They're trying to focus on the game, and then the broadcast walks up to the coach. We're like, hey, so what do you feel right now? Hey, buddy, it's how's like, your game going there? Oh, my, you know? it's like, go away. I'm trying yeah. to. Well, <laughs> and he'd be like three inches from their face, just almost kissing him. Well, especially like, Pierre, too. Oh, yeah. Like, every single time well, you see hey, Pierre talking well, to anybody, the, the, it's like, so that's good going. You can't hear. So, you know, it makes it a weird, it, it's a weird dynamic. Yeah. Because they look so close. And the camera actually makes it look even closer, which is kind of funny. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but then you have half the time they'll be like, what? 
and then they have to repeat the question, and that's uh, just bad TV. You why you got to ruin it for me? I just want to think Pierre Maguire is oh, a creep, bud. Sorry. My bad. <laughs> Don't be Canadian no, that, right now. No, that, well, that, no, that's <laughs> no, jeez. Well, there goes the last of our Canadian listenership. Oh, sure. Sorry, boys. You gotta have somebody up in uh, Red Hook up there talking, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Red Deer. You hear these Yanks talking about being Canadian? I fucking tell you, I, I'm 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 about to have fed up with them. I'm gonna send them a letter. <laughs> Well, sweet, it may at least go. It's maybe taken one one thing yeah. away. Oh, that, for sure, <laughs> yeah. one will miss. Yeah, oh, I mean, you, I think you ask a lot of hockey players, and like you could do away with that. Like, oh, so how's your game going? Right in the middle of the like the entire like the period. Yeah, and I you never... can t- you can tell that the coaches are just like I, I'm trying to like you know focus on the game. I I'm, I don't have enough time to like ask uh, answer these the same damn three questions that every single coach gets every single time well how do you how do you think uh, that last power play went well we got some chances all right thanks have a good one to be on the devil's advocate side if you get that one in a million where the coach actually says something that was pertinent to the play or the period or something just happened then you're like gold mine right. and that's what they're hoping for oh. like that's what they want and when they do get it you're like bam i'm gonna win one of these you know uh, it's coming your way hashtag points to the emmy right <laughs> but also it's like almost like if you go the opposite of what dan says you're just beating a dead horse yeah through a ghost town i'll even add that on to it so a ghost town fall, dead horse getting beat falling upon deaf ears well and i mean uh, everybody knows about the uh the the jokes about you know anytime somebody uh interviews uh hockey players like oh yeah we just got to get pucks deep and uh just uh you know just play for the team and uh, uh good things will happen you know we'll get the game you know just play as a team get pucks deep get to the front of the net we'll get there and what? you know like from a hockey standpoint the directors and it's more the directors usually but the uh it's more the producers the people who actually tell the story of the game they know who will be a good interview and who won't be yeah so you might have a game-winning goal by somebody who isn't a good public speaker and they might give you those type of answers that you were talking about yeah so then you're like all right i'm gonna get somebody who was mucking and grinding the entire game and really helped out, had a couple assists or made a huge check or some defensive play, and that's your player of the game. Right. That's a real gem on the vocab. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I studied up on the thesaurus. Uh, But you have those put in – you get those guys that you want to hear from. Otherwise, it is bad TV. Oh, yeah. It's like your Bordelos or your McLeods or something like that. Those, like, guys that don't, like, get those, like – you know, TV opportunities or anything mm-hmm. like that. I loved then. Cody's. Uh, I love Cody's interviews, man. Well, he was always just so good. straight to the point. Yeah, <laughs> he he kept everything on the ice. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, There's one time when we were ta- like the coolest players. I had a buddy of mine that was walking down uh, the Pep Center after Cody got kicked out from a fight, and it's uh, two of my buddies, and they're walking right next to him, and Cody's coming down, and my buddy looks and he's like, he called you a pussy. And Cody just looks at him and just starts laughing. You know, the guy got thrown out. He had stitches in his face, you know, and it was a pretty good fight. Cody won, of course, because he was a he was pretty badass. Oh, bruiser, right? baby. Bruiser. But he was cool. Like, he would talk to you, and he laughed, you know, and this guy was like, what, what, what? You know, the guy who was like, oh, he called you a pussy. And that guy was like, what? I did not. I did That's not. He's, he's all just laughing at him. That's hilarious. That's it awesome. Was cool. Like, and he talked to you, and he, they finished walking down the hall, and we were like, what was that all about? 
and then you find out the backstory, and you're like, that's why that guy was cool. And majority right. of the players are like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, well I mean, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. But, um, uh, well, I even heard a story with Cody McLeod. I forget what player that he used to play with. But he took him out to a steak dinner and everything at Buckhorn Exchange, just oh, downtown nice. Denver, yeah. and just, like, went, and they played a hockey game, and he whooped the holy hell out of the guy. And they he was all bloody and beaten. They still went out to the bar for drinks afterwards, That's and they, awesome they left hockey. it on the ice. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cody Mack was just like, you know what? You're one of my best friends that I grew up in, like, you know, the ECHL yeah. or CHL or whatever. And, yeah, you've always had my back. I've always had yours. Let's just go out and have a good time and just let it be. <laughs> uh, another good story about Cody McLeod. Uh, this actually attributes to Keith's mom, uh, Adrienne. Uh, she she actually got me a signed stick by Cody just out of nowhere, man. Uh, I was I, he, She used to handle, like, my tickets and stuff. And I, I had asked her, I was like, uh, so if I get that uh, three-game puck pack, do I still get the signed helmet? By They were offering, like, a signed helmet by, like, one of those mini helmets and stuff. It's like, do I still get that? I'd, I'd, I'd really like to have that. And she's like, who's your favorite player? And, of course, I'm like, oh, that's Cody McLeod for sure. It's got to be. And as luck would have it, he was <laughs> he was in the uh, ticket office, like, getting some Jay-Z tickets. And uh, Adrian, she was just like, "Hey, can can you sign something for my buddy? He's he's awesome. He he loves you." And he's like, uh, "Oh, absolutely." So uh, he went and got a got a stick and just signed it to me, and I was hanging up on my old wall right there. And I think that just uh, I, I I mean, just out of his you know the goodness of his own heart, I think that really shows a lot about uh, Cody McLeod. And I mean, uh, I'll hold it. Dear in my heart till the day I die. Tear. <laughs> I had, had yeah. Tears. You got some crying. Tears. Your eye. It shows his character because he could have. You guys were in the ticket office, right? Yeah. And yeah. he could have easily got one of those little envelopes that you have that you put the tickets in for will call. Right. And he could have been like, da 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 da, yoink, here you go, kid. But right. no, yeah. he wouldn't got you a, a stick. Yeah. You know, that's the type of guys that most hockey players are. Yeah. Uh, especially the tough guys, you know, like that. Some of the toughest guys are like the nicest guys. They're little teddy bears. Off. I'm probably gonna get my ass kicked for saying that by somebody. I mean, George Paris is gonna come down from wherever the hell he is and like Twisters call me a damn. Te- don't call me a damn teddy bear, you know. But uh, I, th- I, 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 that's another just another one of the uh, like um, reason fucking five thousand why I love hockey players. It's a common respect. Yeah. that you have for each other. That's True. You are right on. On that Dan, truth, and, yeah. And can you believe the guy listens to Jay Z? <laughs> you know, the, and that and that's the funniest thing about it is like Jay Z tickets. It wasn't like you know Zach Brown band or something. And obviously, we're like just straight stereotyping yeah, here. But uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's like Jay Z. Could you see Cody McLeod? You know, with all of his front teeth knocked out, just going to see, going and seeing Big Pimpin' or something. Oh, Wait, is that is that Jay Z? Big Pimpin'? No. Oh. Men and G's. Meningitis. Well, uh, all right, ninety nine problems. There you go. There you go. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> black album. Black album. Black album. I don't know. I I don't. There I don't. you go. That, that's all you need. Nineties hip hop or nothing for me. Sorry. <laughs> Del the funky Homo sapien all the way, baby. So. <laughs> so we got off a uh, track here a little bit. Uh, Jay Z. I got ninety nine problems, well, but this pot ain't one, dog. <laughs> 
Didn't we joke that he got like Backstreet Boys tickets or something like that? Yeah, we couldn't remember. We were talking <laughs> yeah, about we were, it another uh, time. Another, so uh, I think it was like Backstreet Boys. We were like, no, I'm pretty sure it was Jay Z. <laughs> another moment where we should have probably mixed in a water or two, but yeah. But still, that was still. The, well, no, that was Jan that mentioned that like before we even got started. Oh, well, you were talking about Eric Johnson and like we asked him, well, what kind of. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, I imagine so. Uh, well, I mean, you know, I'm just sitting in this wheelchair. I'm looking up at you. I'm like, uh, how's the weather up there, guy? Uh, and he's thick, too. He's really thick, which is crazy. Meaty, some would say. Meaty, yeah. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, yes, Dan. Meaty. <laughs> thick. Why don't you... <laughs> All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Let's keep going here. Let's keep going. Oh, Jesus well, um, I think uh, uh, you know, you've uh, you've actually worked a lot for uh, different broadcasts. Uh, do you uh, do you ever get like insight on uh, you know, just like the uh, the the guys that do the commentary? Do you ever get to hear uh, any like shit talking that they do off the off the air? Have I backed you in a corner? Not at all. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to name names. You don't have to name names, uh, but I mean, like, uh, is it is it is it like rampant, just like hockey players, or is it a little more uh, like uh, controlled? I guess. I think it's with any job is going to happen anywhere in any spot, but you really see the people who are the announcers that are cool. Um, you know, we're fortunate here in Denver. You know, Peter McNabb is awesome yeah he's a great guy and then you got the moj too yep and connor is a awesome guy mcgay oh yeah Uh, i i get the exact opposite uh feel from him man oh really i kind of feel like i kind of feel like he's a little uptight he's not he is uh super nice like he's dedicated to his craft he wants to do a good job he wants to to deliver he puts in the time and effort um he's actually it's funny because you get to you see these people's TV personality, and you, you, you're like, "Oh man, that'd be some guy I'd want to hang out with at at home." And then you get to meet him, and half the time you don't. You know, you get to know him. Peter McNabb, he'll sit down, tell you stories about the time he got kicked out, you know, and went into the stands. You know, he's actually quite embarrassed about that. Uh, I. I'd believe it, you know, I mean... I mean, you are in the stands, like, beating a man with his own shoe. Well, I think that was Milbury that was beating him with that his was, shoe. That was Mike Milbury. Yeah, yeah. not he, a surprise from him. Right. But, I mean, yeah, you meet Peter McNabb, you're like, this is the guy that hopped into the stands and trying to beat people's ass, you know? Uh, but, I mean, uh, I mean, that's a good story to tell. I probably wouldn't tell him to my uh, grandkids. We should or try to get the guy on. Oh <laughs> uh, well, and uh, and which uh, leads me to this is like yeah, I totally agree. Pete will sit down with you. I think almost uh, I made it a habit just to go and see him before the pregame. I, I had a, I've had a, a chance through Dog Nation to really like sit down and talk with him a lot. So uh, almost before every game for a while, I'd go over there and you know just uh, chat a little bit of hockey with him. And he he'll sit there and you know like uh, you'll have, he'll have people like yelling at him like Pete you got to get upstairs you got to get upstairs yeah. and he'll sit he'll sit there and talk to you and I think that's really cool. He's a genuine good guy. Yeah, and that's what you want, you know. And then you have other people oh, yeah. that won't give you the time of day, and that's to us who we work with them. You know, it's like yeah. hey buddy, I'm here getting a paycheck just like you. You know, people don't know who I am, they don't, and which is fine. You know, I'm behind the scenes. But you don't have to be mean to us. People like Peter and actually Connor, he sits down and he'll say hi to everybody beforehand. Moj is a great guy. You know, you get those people 
Kyle Keefe's a good guy. He'll joke with you. Yeah, yeah he uh, seems like a good guy. And Rycroft. Rycroft seems, yeah. We you always know. try to stop off and see him before the games and everything. They're just good guys. The, the thing is with those guys, they're just having fun. You know, oh. and that's what it should be. And, you know, always. another another story. I, I'm, I'm, I'm full of stories today. So uh, you might you might see, like, if you uh, dig a little deep into my Facebook, you'll see pictures of me uh, during the post game. Like driving in in behind the uh, post game with uh, Kiefer and Rycroft, like several times. I mean, I was like, I was in there, man. I was in there like swimmer making. You were you were actually uh, behind the camera. That's why I did it. Oh nice. You were behind the camera, and I was like, I was making faces at you oh, yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. And uh, and uh, you could tell that uh, uh, Riker had uh, totally totally knew what was going on, and like he. <laughs> And after after the show, he came up to me. He's like, "So that was you making those dumbass faces, huh?" <laughs> and you know, it, it was it was really funny. Like he had a, we had a good laugh about it. He took a picture with me and all that. But I mean, you know, you could have been like, "So you're the asshole that's trying to ruin my show." And instead, he's he just turns around, and he starts giggling about it and stuff. And I uh, I uh, I told him he uh, he reminds me so much of uh, Mike Myers on Mystery Alaska during the intermission reports, and he just he he loved that. That so, is a great underrated movie. Yes. Oh, it absolutely. Uh, one, it is. Uh, easily one of the, one of the best hockey movies out there. All rated above Miracle, even. Oh yeah, easily. Good number one. Sorry. Yeah. Good number one. I mean, and it's not just because it's fighting. I mean, it, it, like uh, Jay Barish, who really, really really tells the story of uh, what like you know minor league hockey is like. And what he actually went through to yeah. get up to even getting a championship or even close to something i mean just the the just how far he went oh yeah well you get what i'm saying he was not a huge player so he just Uh, for him to fight like the dickens oh god yeah he (laughs) knocked you out in what three punches but big shout out to douglas smith (laughs) whoop whoop well um boys you got anything else for uh dan the magic cameraman i think we got most of it covered man Cool. Well, Dan, thank you so much for coming on, bringing the Emmy in. You know, I'll probably never see one of those unless this scrappy little podcast goes somewhere one one of these days. So thank you so much for coming. I mean, um, and I want to say thank you to all our, our listeners. And a, a big shout out to Austin Brody. Uh, your stickers are in the mail, bud. They're coming. And uh, thank you so much for listening to every episode. And I'm glad uh, I'm glad everybody's digging them. Um, Oh, by the way, yeah. Uh, by the I just way, remembered too. I just remembered. Dan has a beer. Uh, has an app on uh, iOS, right? Oh, yep, only on Apple. Um, well, I, if you guys listened to the last episode, uh, I may have drunkenly improvised a little bit, but uh, this guy, he's really been pulling for our podcast. Um, uh, he's he listens to every single one of them, and he was nice enough to get us stickers. So. The only thing we could do is at least give him a little airtime to talk about uh, My Beer Nation. Can you uh, say just a little something about it? Uh, well, it actually first happened. Uh, I was in the parking lot down in Phoenix because I was doing a, a Coyotes game down there. Nice. And I called my buddy who I knew had a, uh, a iPad app. And I used to go. Um, he's a TV buddy of mine. and We went to college together, and he worked at Channel 9 and stuff like that. And so he had an app, and I was down there doing a game, and I was like, oh, I want to find a brewery after the game. And then I was like, hey, we should throw a, uh, make an app together because since I travel and do different games, you know, in St. Louis and 
around some other places done a couple But you don't drink days. on those trips. No, 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 oh, you no, can't. no, no, no. No, no. That would be bad. Wait, really? Well, you can't drink one at a time. <laughs> but uh just one every few hours. Every or few hours. There you go. I like that. All right. So we got uh we created a beer app that kind of does a little journal of what I started drinking around the country and, you know, the different beers and we called it My Beer Nation because it's your journal. Nice. And it's uh, been a little fun little hobby. So wait, it's like a passport for like going and see like breweries and like all the tastes that you can get from state to state, basically. Kind of. It's and you can do it at your nice. house too. You know, besides just finding a breweries that are locally around you, you can take a beer that you're drinking, rate it, and kind of be as snobby as you want with it because there's different right. layers and textures that you can go through, or you can just sit there and be like, "Hey, I tried it. I'm going to give it a an A plus or a B or an A minus or whatever." And this way, you can remind yourself. How good was it? You know, I have a lot of pictures, actually, that come in my journal when I fire it up, and I got Cody sitting out by the fire or something out in the garage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just hanging out, and there's a beer in the background with Cody just sitting there, and it, it's fun memories. It brings you yeah. back to different times. Yeah. So uh, Some things that you may have forgotten, too. So for some people, uh, say they, they get your app, they're, I don't know, Fort Collins, wherever, like, yeah, let me see what breweries are around, and you can you find one, click on it, and you can actually look at people's reviews on certain uh, beers and such as well. We or? kept it as just our, just yours, as I said, my beer nation. Just so Got it. Because okay. I don't like all the beers that somebody else would like, so I don't want somebody to put a bad review of something that I might not, that I might love. Got it. So this way it kind of helps it so that you don't be like, oh, I'm not going to get this, but yet that might have been the best beer of your life, and yeah. you would have loved it. Because everybody has different taste buds. So that's why we it. kept it. But you can kind of see their, you know, what type of offerings they have, their, all their information for the brewery, and then their beers are labeled there. And if it's not there, you add the beer. And then you can journal it to your journal and have a little record of it. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, it's especially nice when, like, beer drinkers like you guys, you know, you guys are trying new ones, and you got an asshole friend like me. Where I'm like, I don't drink beer. I only drink vodka. It'd be like my cousin. Plus calories. <laughs> Like, I'm just up here in Chicago just drinking Pipeline Brewery and all these other ones. <laughs> try them out. Well, I can't get them. Well, you can either order them. Look at them. Yeah, or look at them. <laughs> well, Dan, thank you so much, man. We had so much fun having you in here. I appreciate and... you letting me come on. Oh, absolutely. And thank you for the little plug for my beer. That was unexpected, and you guys are very nice. Thank well, you. I mean, you know, scratch my bag. I'll scratch yours. You know what I mean? We'll work on those COVID curls. Yeah. Oh, well, hey, man, I still got my pomp. I still got my pomp. I got rid of the beaver tail. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Uh, if you guys don't know, uh, Dan's uh, unfortunately my neighbor, and every time I have a new uh, haircut, he comes in, comes in, and just gives me j- just unloads on me every single time. You get a haircut, you little hipster. You get a get a job, you hippie. I do yell from the car and say, get yeah, a haircut, that, hippie, yeah, and drive I, off. Oh, and my yeah. kids are always like, why do you say that? <laughs> What's a hippie? What type of haircut should he get? Why are you <laughs> yelling that at that man in a wheelchair? You won't you won't get it until you're older. <laughs> Shirk. Well, like I said, thank you, Austin Brody. Thank you to everybody who's listening. Um, we appreciate it. This is why we do it. We love doing it for you guys. Uh, uh, anything you guys want to say? No. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch you next time, and please subscribe. 
to our podcast. Where are we on these days? I know we expanded a little bit. Yeah, we are on uh, we're on Anchor, Spotify, uh, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Castbox. Soon to be Google. As soon as those guys get back to me, so um, always uh, stay up on our Instagram. We're on Twitter, Facebook, uh, spouting hockey stuff and being dudes i guess yeah don't forget that you can hit us up individually and yeah we'll always answer questions or concerns that you have so and if y'all want stickers we got stickers we got stickers on stickers on stickers yeah let us know we'll ship one out to you guys oh yeah it's been going good lately so that's nice but yeah all right uh um thank you Avida Zen. till next time